welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. Steven. Boy, do I feel guilty about this one. I'm so excited for you on this one, because other than me, I think, like, this is your boy. This is my boy right here. Yeah. So, uh, if you don't listen to Leading Saints, I don't know what rock you have been living under, and frankly, I don't know how you're living your life or doing leadership in your church. I mean, unless you're not um, LDS and you happen to be of another Christian denomination, which is fine. Hey, check that crap at the door. <laughs> Do you know how many other people of other faiths he's had on the podcast? I know. And how many find Leading Saints helpful? Right. I'm just saying they might not necessarily find that resource right away and go, oh, that's for me. No, because... stop giving people excuses. That's cool. Leading I saints. I just don't want them to go take listen. your shame don't message. Care. No, I uh, hope that they've been I living under a rock their whole lives. I am shaming lives. them into performance. <laughs> I am shaming them to control behavior. Okay. Go right now and listen to Leading Saints. To literally turn this episode off, go to Leading Saints, and then you'll be like, oh, he was right. Then you'll come back here and you won't feel ashamed by me, but you have a heart of gratitude. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, no, so truth is, so uh, KF, which everyone should call him now, stop calling him Kurt Frankham. He loves being called KF, um, Leading Saints. Like, and we say this being an episode, but um, has been one of my biggest advocates for my recovery. And he's not even someone in recovery. I know. Love this guy. And um, I feel like I want to share this because I feel like this is like his whole heart when this episode is worth listening to. I have said to him multiple times, and he says, He's in the podcast world, like huge in the podcast world, like literally gets paid to help people put together their podcasts and do their podcasts. Yeah. And um, I have said to him multiple times, because he always, the first person to text me after an episode comes out, every time. KF. KF. And I know we have a lot of people that listen to all the episodes. Great episode, man. This part connected with, like, always the person to text me first. KF. And um, what has been amazed to me, and I've said this to him multiple times when we've had our brother conversations, I'm like, I don't know why you love me. You've said that to me before. I don't know why KF chooses me. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, like, I mean, yeah, I think our podcast is baller, but like, I don't know why he chooses me. I do. For another episode. But true leadership, true advocacy, true fighting for the hearts of people in addiction to my grave, like I, w- I would put him in the ring with whoever you think you know, whatever church leader or parent or, you know, mentor you think you know, and I think Kurt will TKO them in the first round. There is none greater who really exemplifies Christ and the advocacy and the love for those who struggle in addiction. Amen. Amen. So if you want to learn those skills, like the knowing of those skills of really connecting and being with people who struggle in addiction, whether it's your spouse that struggles or a child or a parent or your leader, whoever it is, this is it. Yeah. And Kurt would get mad at us if we talked for much longer about it. So he's already mad. We're already a minute like longer than we're supposed to be. Yep. Leading Saints, uh, everywhere podcasts are found, leadingsaints.org, unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. If you're in need of a scholarship, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. 
Um, boot camp, we talk a lot about other scholarships to come and get. Give us five stars on iTunes and give Leading Saints five stars on iTunes. That's how the world finds all of us. And donate, join us in the bonus content. We go into some stuff. You want you want this some stuff? Get in the bonus content by becoming an outsider, those who are bold, accepted, and unashamed by going to unashamedunafraid.com slash donations. Follow us on socials at unashamed and unafraid. And with that, we will get in the studio with our good friend. It's been I don't know why it took us so long to get him on the podcast. Shame on us. Shame on us. As we know him, Superman, Kurt Frankum, KF with Leading Saints. KF. Yo, in the house. <laughs> he is in the house. Uh, AKA, <laughs> AKA Kurt Frankham, AKA Leading Saints, AKA, as we know him, Superman. Superman. Dun, 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 so, dun, Kurt, dun. I want to know on a level of one to 10, 10 being egregious, one being benign. How offended are you that it's taken this long for you to come on the podcast? Uh, beyond offended, quite honestly. You know, I, I almost thought about going through deep, dark addictions of heroin just so I could get here. But <laughs> wow, I mean, that might be a good walk for you to just kind of, you know, yeah, you yeah. know, little Find prodigal some. son action. <laughs> yeah, give it a whirl. Yeah. Or it's not recommended. Okay, so as you would say on your podcast. For those who don't know you, paint yourself into context for oh. us and tell us who you are. Great. So my well, name tell is... tell us what you do first. Okay. I am uh, the executive director of an organization called Leading Saints, and but most people know my voice as the host of the Leading Saints podcast, and uh, we produce content for Latter-day Saints to help them be better prepared to lead, specifically the lay leaders in the church. So, And now, who are you? Uh, I am from West Valley City, Utah, and I have a wife from Idaho, potato farmer, three kids. Um, we live in Stansbury Park, Utah. I've been doing Leading Saints full-time since 2016, and uh, I have a dog as well. <laughs> Sparky or? No, and now, Bella. Okay. No. And now tell us about your heart. About my heart. I mean, that's a, I, it's a, it's beating. And uh, on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to be here? I'm excited because you're, you're my brothers, right? Like, I go on other podcasts and just. So uh, take, I don't the, know the people. take the, take the, what you're supposed to say in a public setting out of it. <laughs> if I were, to, if I were to reach in and, and, and just pull your heart right out. Your spiritual heart mm -hmm. for everyone to see. What are they going to see? Tell the truth. They're going to see a heart that loves Jesus. That's uh, um, the heart that's just as broken as any other person's heart that's gone through uh, tough times. Even though my my story isn't as stigmatized as so many of my brother's stories are, you know. But. Uh, my story's taking me to Jesus, just like so many of the stories you hear on this podcast that brought people to Jesus. So, and when I see that heart, I know it's on fire. True. Yeah. No. I'm every day. I just love what I I do, and uh, yeah, I'm alive. His heart's alive. <laughs> that is true. That was there was a knowing look exchanged between Steve and I just then. Yeah. Kurt, 
one of the largest story big warriors that I know. Um, and I will say of my non those who struggle with addiction friends, right? Right. So as as someone who is who's not, I'm also struggling, right, with any addiction. Um, one of the largest advocates for me personally, um, you know, my journey, but also such an advocate for people who do, who are, who are in the same chair as me. And, and I mean that in real advocacy, not like I'm, I socially accept you advocacy. <laughs> not that there's anything <laughs> right. wrong with that, but yeah. I'm talking like, um, an active petitioning and fighting for, yeah. um, I have a lot of personal gratitude for that and also just a lot of awe and gratitude for how you show up in the world and advocate um, for people in recovery and their family and spouses as well. And so uh, I think that's the most, one of frankly, one of the most beautiful things about you. I know all of the leadership stuff and all the speaking and all that. So, but, so from that space, mm-hmm. knowing that that's who you are to your core, from that, what do you want to talk about? Where do you want to go? Yeah, well, you know, you talk about, you know, you know in, in uh, specific terms, you could say, yeah, I've, I'm not an addict. I'm not a recovering addict. You know, I don't have the stigmas of the stories. of. And I've really tested him. I'm like, but really, you're not looking at porn? <laughs> like, come on, come on. No, really? Here's my history. Really? Really? Yeah. Like, really? yeah. Follow yeah. me around. Yeah. And yeah. even myself, I wonder, like, maybe I'd like black out and I just don't know it because, I mean, <laughs> it's everywhere and how, how it's not heaven, right? But, um, and, and that's been an interesting, uh, journey for me because, and we've talked about this, Steve, where it's like, why am I attracted to you people so much? Like, I just love being around my fellow addicts, you know, even though I'm not an addict. Um, but nonetheless, well, we were your favorite podcast to listen to. I, I, listen, I literally listen to every episode, right? And it's not because, okay, you know, Steve Support and James, they're my buddies, so... I better show them, throw them a download, you know, statistic or whatever. <laughs> but I really just, I just love the stories. And, um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, like we all, I think addiction is, is a, it, it clearly frames the need of a savior, right? Like you listen to these stories and you're like, wow, like that is rock bottom. Like you would had no hope without a savior in that moment. And, um, in the greater scheme of things, we all need Jesus, right? Yeah. And, but my, my brokenness is often not stigmatized, like maybe an addict's brokenness where it's like, oh man, that's disgusting. Or like, get your life together. Like where. Or so sinful. Right. And I see like, especially in a leadership context, like it, it all comes back to that desire for validation. And we, I crave that like crazy. Right. But there's no, there's no stigma to that because it's often applauded. When I get a va- validation, it's like, oh man, this guy's got it figured out. Like, he's got all the titles, he's done all the things. And, like, you know, that can be like a shot in my arm of like, oh, that just feels so good. Right. And so that's a tough, that's a tough journey for me to, to wander of, you know, where, where do I go for my validation and how, how do I keep that in check with, you know, because it's still there. Right. And so just because my, my inclinations and desires don't have the stigma with it. I still have to realize oh, they're there. And that's a like constant message. I, I try and sort of shout from the podcast microphone to other leaders is like, 
no, like you don't have this figured out. Like you still need Jesus, right? And I often give the example of if if Jesus Christ appeared in front of you today and said, what can I heal? And you don't know what to say to him. You don't know what he's supposed to heal. Like that's a problem. But most addicts know exactly what to say, right? Yeah. And, and not, that there, not that there's a better situation, but at least they can articulate it. And with me, I'm like, if, can, I, can I answer that question today? And a lot of leaders be like, oh, no, like, I'm good. No, you go help other people because I'm good, Jesus. Like, I, I don't need the healing. I don't need the, the, I don't have the wound for you to address. And I, I don't think that a relationship with a Redeemer can exist without a wound to heal. Amen. Well, and and I, I think this is a great thing to talk about because everyone uh, uh, around those in recovery, right? So whether you're a parent or whether you're a leader, there's this narrative of I'm supposed to have it together, figured out. Um, I think to be real direct, a perfectionism, right? Yeah, dangerous um, stuff. Dangerous stuff, right? That's very shameful. And I remember this this stood out stark to me. Uh, on two different occasions. So one was, um, uh, one had been a stake president. Um, it's a big area, you know, leader and was going to be a mission president and, um, said, and I believe you might've been standing there and said, we're having all these conversations about the youth in our church. And we all know, like, we don't have an answer. We're not sure what's going on, but no one wants to raise their hand and say that out loud because then they'd have to admit they don't have it figured out. Right. And then they're going to be worried they're not called as the next mission president. Right. Or whatever. Right. Or another um, gentleman I, I was fortunate, you know, to work with who's serving as a stake president, uh, struggling with big depression. And is like, oh yeah, I sit in these, in these coordinating meetings with all state presidents. He's like, oh, I'm not the only one. It's just, you don't say it. And so there's this barrier of like, I have a hard time being with. And I think a lot of it comes from an innocence of like, because I'm supposed to be this image of it put together, looking good or whatever. And so how do you speak to being able to set that down, right? You talk about, you've said a lot of times when, you know, people get put into leadership, it's like, here's your mask. So model the perfect family, the perfect yard, the perfect whatever. How have you been able to, and how do you, how do those around trying to help leaders in church, parents, how do, how do you put that down yeah. in order to help? And maybe uh, this is a good opportunity to sort of insert my narrative because, you know, this, you tell stories on this. So, you know, when I say, you know, we joke that. I don't look at porn or struggle with that. I mean, there were, obviously you don't grow up as a teenager in the 1990s when the internet is starting without seeing some porn. Right. And I remember, and, and I listened to these stories of individuals you interview and they talk about like, I was nine years old, I was 10 years old. And it just like grabs them. Right. Like, yep. and it, and it would not let go from that day, day forward. And I remember there, I think there was two, maybe three, it's kind of fuzzy now of instances where, yeah, I went to the internet. I, I, I binged on the porn. But then it was just like, well, I'm not supposed to do that. Like, oh, okay, I'll get that cleared up. I'll go see the bishop. Like, it didn't grab a hold of my soul for whatever reason, right? And, but where, where I was at in that, as that developing teenager is like, I just want to be such a good kid, 
right? Like I want to be all things like seminary, all things like go to church. And, and I remember those instances of my, of adults talking to my mom and just like praising me as her son, like your kids are so good. Like they just, you know, have life figured out. They're here every Sunday at church and wow, they're just such good people. And, and that's sort of when I realized the power of the mask of like, oh, like if I'm just really good, then, then I can get that validation. It was like that, that first taste of the validation. And that's what grabbed me. That's when we went to the, the roots of my soul and said, this is it. Like, this is your source. And being the youngest of four, having a brother just older than me that excelled at school like crazy, full ride scholarship, to the college I wanted to go to, all, all the things. Like he was jumping through all the hoops and all the right way. And then I'm thinking, well, I got to earn that validation. I have to keep up with that um, and just keep falling short from, you know, rejection from from college, going to mediocre mission, and, you know, in, in certain standards, um, not serving in leadership on that mission. And then finally, at the age of 28, when I'm called as a bishop, and it's like, oh, like I remember. Well, I'm going to give cultural context around that. Okay. That's generally a very young age to get called mm-hmm. as a bishop. Yeah. So it's like getting drafted, you know, into the NBA from high school. Yeah. So if the validation around that, there's some extra like, oh, yeah, yeah. ooh. I've had multiple people. I mean, hundreds of people, maybe, and maybe that's overstated, but compare, compare that experience to be, becoming a prophet. Like, oh, that's what the prophet's experience is being called at such a young age, right? And again, validation, validation, right? But it was in that moment where, and I remember being called, and then the next day, like, going to my parents' house and sitting in their home and telling them I had been called as bishop. Like, it was like this moment of just, like, I finally, like, I'm good enough, right? Like, and of course, my parents are wonderful people, and they're not like, but they're still, there's this feeling of, like, you are a blessed child now. <laughs> you know, right. Like, right. you, you, you right. achieved it, right? right. And and then that was like the beginning of like this 10-year period of, of well, the, I, I would, I had been serving in a bishopric and then as that bishop for five years and then in a state presidency. And it was this time of just like constant validation of like reminding me in, in the false way that I'm good enough because I'm in these chairs and I'm helping these people and, and whatnot. And you know, I, I, it's hard to say was, it's not like I was this raging drunk on validation that was, you know, conceited and, and, and treating people off. I was generally a good leader and, and whatnot. Um, so going back to your question of like, how do you put that mask down? I think I just recognize it. Like, you know, like, as I learned just hanging around with addicts, like when you have a bad day and you have that urge to relapse or act out, like you got to reach out. And we've had sweet experiences like of, of me just like, I'll call you on the phone, I'll just be like, Steve, I'm, I think I'm doing that thing you're supposed to do of reaching out, yeah, right? Yeah, that's my like, favorite, but that's my favorite part about Chris. Like, he prefaces it. He's like, I, I think I'm reaching out right now. This is yeah. that moment where I, I don't want to call anyone. Yeah. And I think there are feelings. And <laughs> there uh, the feeling is to go and be alone in it. And I'm supposed to call you as, as brother. Yeah. So here uh, we go. Go now. <laughs> What do I say first, right? <laughs> yeah, it, but um, so like these, like we talk about like the, the 12 steps, the ARP program, it's just, it's just the repentance process. It's just the atonement of, totally. of Jesus Christ, right? But um, 
we, we say that, but you don't see people act on it that way. Like, and so even though I'm not quote unquote an addict, like practicing these skills has been such a blessing for me of being like, oh my goodness, like that really did help to reach out. Now I can like process and I, I'm walking away from the phone with strength rather than shame, you know? And so, and this is what just breaks my heart in this community that I feel like God's called me to serve of leaders is that I see the bishops, I see the Relief Society presence like in that trap of validation, right? That I can see them wondering like, when I get released here, will I be called to the next thing? Like, am I good enough for the next thing? Because that's mm-hmm. the thing about validation is, or any addiction, it's never satisfying, right? Yeah. You just, I just need more. Like, I, I don't quite believe it yet, so give me more, right? And 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 so I see that in other leaders where I just want like, want to sit them down and of course they're but not what, maybe not they're ready what, for them. But here's what I want to back up on. Okay. How did you get there? Because what I'm making up about you is 28 year old called as a bishop. Yeah. Is that this is not what people met? Like the guy who walked in and was like, I remember you told me an early story of you first as a bishop as a guy getting caught in an affair, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm like, I imagine that like. They didn't get this version of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty good chameleon. I, you'd, you know, the, the nice guy is strong within me. And so I can, I can pose a certain ways. So, I mean, I was always very, I think I have a, a natural gift of being, in, um, you know, being em- empathetic and connecting with people and whatnot. But it was like, it was sort of, you know, we talked about this in the first year, I, that came out that this individual in my ward had this, you know, long affair with multiple women, you know, like, and I remember just talking to him, like, like, what is your problem? Like, you got to be honest with me. Like, this is, you know, this is awful what you've done, right? Just that, just the shame, right? And so I don't, I, I think it's just like most things in my life, it's been such a gradual process. I, there wasn't a light bulb moment or whatnot. It was like meeting people. And I think just this, what I do through the podcast of sitting down and listening to stories and asking questions and, and being, um, right. But Kurt, right? something happened. I'm going to call you I, out okay. right now. Let, let's get something has happened between 28 year old. All of my validation is wrapped up that I am checking the boxes and I'm finally a blessed child and I'm a Bishop on track to be independently wealthy and a mission president by the time I'm 50 uh-huh. to, I now run the nonprofit leading saints and have dedicated my life to helping leaders, frankly, get it and do it well. So something happened in that interim well, with our, that heart in that chest and that soul in that body of that mind. I'm not saying it wasn't gradual, but you got to give us the highlights because there are people in this process and they need answers. Yeah. And I know you got them. So no, <laughs> no hall pass. All right. Well, and, and, and I want to give you that answer. I, I'm definitely not trying to hold back, but. Right. But like, what have been the, what have been the game changers of like, this shifted me, this made me see it differently. Well, the, but the, the tricky thing is, is that the same thing that fueled that church leader version of me is the same thing that fuels the pot, Mr. Leading Saints podcast guy who's, you know, quote unquote famous, you know, you know. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, like. I have the audience and I, you know, people know me and right like that, that validation is, well, I like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so 
that was that's sometimes difficult for me to determine is I don't know I don't know if I'm that guy yet. I mean there's I have that moments and I and I can but I don't know what my sobriety looks like with this validation. I'm turning you over to James. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> the brass knuckles. <laughs> Kurt <laughs> James. Can you believe this guy? Steve? Can you <laughs> listen? <laughs> You're not listening. Kurt. Like you want an event. A no. moment. No, no, no. Okay. Light bulbs. Light bulbs. The thing where you went, oh, I'm seeking validation. The moment when you go, oh, it's okay for church leaders to be vulnerable mm-hmm. instead of never share your sins or mistakes with anybody ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, church leaders don't have to be perfect. That helps me. Yeah. The light bulb things, when did those go off for you? Now, maybe I just told you what those were. So you can tell me when and how, but yeah. So a few things come to mind is because the misnomers as a leader that I believe that's out there is you have to be perfect. Don't share your sins with anybody. Mm-hmm. Never talk about your mistakes. Just be perfect and hold the standard way up here. Yeah, I guess uh, part of this I noticed. Oh, James asked, and now you know. This is ridiculous. Oh, hey, you know, go back on your own show. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> So the, uh, I guess it comes down to, to modeling, right? Like a, a lot of elders corn presidents will ask me like, you know, we throw this, this authenticity word around, like we need more authenticity in elders corn, but how do you do that? Right. And I tell them, oh, I know what you do. You call someone like Chris Bennett who comes out to the elders corn and tells a story and he models authenticity and vulnerability. And then guys are like, oh, and then they line up trying to hold back tears at the end of it, hugging Chris, because finally somebody spoke the words that they wish they had power to speak, right? And so just seeing that modeled, whether it was Chris or Steve or somebody else of like, okay, I'm starting to get it. I see how this completely transforms the audience or the, this group or this organization being spoken to. So how can I be more authentic? And that's where the trap comes like, oh, well, I don't have a story, right? Mm-hmm. Like my or or my story doesn't matter because it's not dramatic or doesn't have this heavy right. sin involved. Or goes right? back to your thing of like what wound? I don't have a yeah. wound. No, I'm good. You know. Um, and then obviously boot camp. It, the uh, Steve dragged me to my first boot camp. I came late on purpose. Uh, you know, rolled in in the middle of the the opening session, and uh, and I think it was lunch or dinner that day. I stood up and seeing these men like connect in a way that I'd never seen before, just during a mealtime. I'm like, oh, they figured out Elder's Quorum. Okay, I'm in. Like, I'm going to lean into this and see what more I could learn. And again, it was more modeling of that. Right? But but I think, I think something between the lines there that I want to highlight is you had to go to uncomfortable places yeah. for you. Because mm-hmm. I want to name, like, the conversation about boot camp is like... <laughs> Hey, Steve, lo- love what you're doing with Unashamed and Afraid. This is great. I- I'm not an addict, so I, I don't need right. to go to that. I thought you were inviting me to a three-day you know, camp for addicts. I'm like, I'd love to learn more about it. I don't want to go to the woods for three days. So right. get me the, you know, give me the summary. Right. And, and, and the honest behind that for you was? Uh, behind what? The, yeah. Not the, go- the not wanting to go. Oh, the, uh, I didn't. That's going to be weird, uncomfortable. And I remember the the hug that Dwayne gave me walking in there, and I'm like, oh, here it is. Yep, just what I thought, right? Like, 
it's going to, it's going to get weird from here on out. Right. And so, but I'd leaned in and I trusted you enough to stick around and, uh, and it made sense. So yeah, there is this, and, and I often, in the context of church leaders, I tell them the big, one of the biggest mistakes I made as a bishop is I didn't get to a, a 12 step ARP meeting until I was year four as a bishop. Took the words right out of my mouth. Right. Is, is to, that to do it different, you'd have to do it different. Yeah. Like that you, that you have to right. go to some uncomfortable places yeah. and do it some uncomfortable ways. And I think, cause I know you've had this experience too, trying new things that don't end up working for you, like isn't harmful. Right. I survived. You've survived some <laughs> things that you're like, I'm not going to do it that way, mm-hmm. but I'm glad I stepped out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember one specific conversation I was having about a different, another men's retreat and no shade. It wasn't, you were just like, yeah, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. That's not my style. That's not how I want to do leadership, but some guys there digged it. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, and cause I think there's this fear with leaders and parents that it's like, well, if I did it different, like, you know, then I'm going to get contaminated and yeah. it's going to slowly creep into my whole body. And then I'm going to like, leave my church or yeah. like I'm going to start doing the sin thing or whatever. Yeah, is it okay? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not in a handbook or maybe I shouldn't, you know, cause right, or the culturally accept some of the culturally acceptable mm-hmm. lines or, um, and so I just want to point that out that I've watched you do quite a few things for sure outside your comfort zone with even like you did with boot camp, like you had some just straight up judgment. Some oh, just, uh-huh. you're right. Like, mm, I don't need, you know, there it is. As you said, and that's that's a part of I, I hear you saying of your change mm-hmm. with some willingness to go places that whatever word we want to insert unconventional and comfortable for you outside the box or whatever. Yeah, and it was at boot camp where the, this concept of validation was framed to me, where I'm just like I remember it was the the poser session of like, mm-hmm. oh, like you you painted the picture, like yeah, that's me. Like they handed me a suit and I could hide. It was so easy to hide, and, and so I had never had con- I had never considered validation as a sin as something that turned me away from Christ, and and so that that was you know I was talking about light bulb moments that was significant of stepping back and analyzing you know the the previous ten years or so of being like oh my goodness like I was high on validation the whole time you know and I I had no idea and I didn't realize that you know these these titles and callings that. You know, and they they did bring me closer to Christ, and and they were very spiritual. But at the same time, they became a numbing agent to also separate me from from a real relationship with the Savior, and from your fellow men. Yeah, For, yeah, from brothers, and and yeah, to, yeah, it's awesome. So, so another question I want to ask you because I think this is a question people have, um, and it's a question that I had to at some point in time because. I had a real narrative, although being in recovery land or whatever, that I'm like, like, I grew up in like upper white middle class. Like, I've generally had like good social skills in my life. Like, I played on sports teams in high school. Like, I don't, like, I can't go to the like big trauma stories. You know, the one I often share is my first recovery group I'm in. I'm like, okay, I guess we have like, you know, deeper issues that have led us here to this thing. And, and so we all kind of start sharing the one guy next to me shares in this therapy group. He's like, yeah, my dad was in church leadership. It doesn't matter how, uh, 
good you were at church because you weren't good enough. And he would beat the crap out of us editing some of his language for the podcast mm. every Sunday after church. And he starts to tell me these brutal stories of physical abuse, mm. you know, and, and I'm like, I remember sitting back and being like, okay, like, so I get why you're cheating on your wife. This seems pretty messed up. Like I see what's going on. There. But like, I had no narrative around what you said at the beginning of this episode. I'm like, my story's not bad enough for me to relate. Yeah. And so I want to know your experience. Like, in leadership, like you relate to me all of the time and you and I have had really connective moments. Um, so, you know, one I'll name between you and I, like you've been a big resource for me is going through church discipline twice, you know, um, and having some different experiences with different leaders, some really supportive, some really harmful, frankly, and you being able to show up for me there, but how, how do you do that? Or how do you manage that? Because the thing I've, I've struggled with is like, Hey, I haven't gone through what you've gone through. So I feel like I can't, like, I don't know how to do empathy or relate. Cause like, I don't know. That wasn't my story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people feel that way around people with addiction. That it's like, Hey, what you're doing. It's like, yeah, I'm looking at porn four hours a day or like I've had an affair and there's this like, I can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like I would never even, I mean, even like, James and I had a conversation about the prostitution and he's like, I just could never have gotten there. <laughs> like even in all my messed up yeah. grandiosity lying or whatever, like I just would never have done that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think how have you been able to bridge that gap to really like, and how would you encourage people to bridge that gap? Like to be able to really have empathy and walk with people, even though that may not be their story. Yeah. And it goes, it goes back to just that concept of empathy and learning about that, like studying it. And, and, um, you know, I had Louis Hamner do a, you know, a four hour, uh, presentation that we recorded through leading saints all about the concept of empathy. In the leading saints library, go donate. That's right. And let's do it. No, seriously, Super good. Like yeah. recommended. I've, I've and, watched and, it. And, um, and that's really helped me better understand the dynamics of, of the gospel of, you know, we say, uh, we say that the first principle of the gospel is faith in Jesus Christ. And we often frame that in a way of like, oh yeah, that's like me saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. But I think what, how I interpret it is that I believe that Jesus Christ accepts me today just as I am, right? And that he'll just sit with me. Not because he has the five-step solution to get me out of this hole, but he'll just sit with me, right? And that's why I love your story. And I share a lot of that moment where you felt Jesus came to you or God came and you just said, we can do this as long as it takes, Steve. Like that is such a redeeming message that like, oh, like even though I'm so broken, like you'll just sit with me. Like oh, I'm going to go sin again right now. And when I come back, you'll still be here. Right. And so like taking on that persona of being a representative of Jesus Christ, of just being like, I'm just going to sit with you. And I remember communicating that to people as a bishop is saying like, this room is so special because you can do anything in this room. You can yell, you can scream, you can swear. Cause that's what this room needs. I just need to be with you and sit with you here. Right. And so even though, I mean, your story and whatnot, like, yeah, I can't relate to it. Like, and I, I can't even imagine relating. I don't even know. Like, who do you call to get a prostitute? I don't know. Right. But, um, <laughs> 
but the fact that I can just be like, man, like, like that, it, that it matters. And that's another like strong message that you, you brothers have taught me is that like, though I don't have like the prostitute ex- uh, experience or the, the, the pornography binges experience or, or the, the childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. The childhood yeah. sexual abuse, like my story still matters. And to like be able to sit with that and, and Steve, like, again, we have like such these grace moments. I remember like at a boot camp, I'm about to go on stage and present about uh, the identity and you just coming up to me and saying like, like your story matters just like any other story in this. Like that's such a redemptive message. And so when you call me or I call you like just to sit in that, it'd be like all this stuff that hurts, it hurts because it matters. And that's what breaks my heart as I like look at so many leaders that I know deep down they think their hurt doesn't matter and that they haven't done all these things. So why do they hurt? You know, why do they reach for the validation? But it matters, right? And so just to be, just to sit there. And I think that's at the core of the core of the core of the gospel. It's just Jesus sitting with people. And oftentimes as I, you know, go to my nightly prayer. A lot, a lot of the time that nightly prayer is just like me. I go into my office, I close the door in the dark, and I just imagine sitting at a fire with Jesus. And we're not saying anything. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not thanking for anything. I'm just like sitting. And then just the healing power of just sitting with a Redeemer is so healing. James, you going to one-up that or we just wrap the episode here? <laughs> Tough to uh, one-up you or Frankum. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just speaking the truth. Say, you know? I'm pretty awesome. I mean, so. yeah. I mean, I, I can validate that for you. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anyone's not listening, Kurt's famous. You didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so. I'm a big freaking deal, guys. Yeah, like five million downloads, six million now. Oh, almost fourteen. But hey, yeah. who's counting? So almost there. <laughs> Last time we talked, it was like three. So yeah, I mean, a week ago. But that's I get downloads in my sleep. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid outtakes. outtakes. <laughs> so, um, so Kurt, the um, the other thing as you were talking about that, um, since James is just gonna freaking. Well, Glad had, okay, I now you're ready. Where, I don't know where we're going with this yet because like, you talked about the validation. So, like, next point. Next point, Frankum. Yeah, you're supposed to kind of host him into that. That's literally um, our job. Well, I can... Oh, got it. That was not in the job description. Oh, Jane's got one. Okay. Well, from, from while, the studio while, audience. He, while he's messing around. Um, how? Well, I okay. drove my lunar rover in the sea of tranquility. <laughs> Inside joke, come to boot camp, and that will make a lot of sense to you about posing. That'll make a lot of sense to the posing. Um, so, a uh, a uh, play because I I appreciate this about you as a person, right? And I know right, that it leaks over kind of into the leadership, um, is in that validation, it, it requires us to have a right and a wrong, right? Like, 
like if you get called this bishop, you are now a blessed child. If you don't, you're a loser, right? Like mm-hmm. shame delineates to either you hit the bar, the standard, the mark, or you don't matter, right? Like yeah. it's you're right, a certain identity, right? or which you're is not. right, which is why I think the adversary uses it because it's like right. literally get the needle in the haystack, which by the way doesn't even exist. And you won't find anyways. So no matter what, you're going to hate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talk about, and I this is one of like. I mean, you have so many ahas, but this is one of when you talk about the scripture that often, as we're about to learn, gets misquoted of if you love me, keep my commandments. The mm-hmm. New Testament scripture, which often, if you love me, keep my commandments, gets interpreted as if you love God, if you love Jesus the way that you just confessed very beautifully, then that love means you will obey the commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it almost if it's God's sort of, uh, saying you know putting conditions here of like hey listen you better you better keep my commandments if you love me and if you don't i guess you don't love me right and i have to frame it in a way that um you know as far as this concept of keeping the commandments that as if he's given you a token of some type and he's saying listen like mortality is going to be rough and it's going to be all over the place but here's some here's some commandments and some covenants like just keep it just hold on to it no matter how rough it gets or how many difficult uh, mistakes or bad mistakes you make like just keep holding on to it through that storm and then that's our that's where that's our point of relationship that's our point of healing and so as long as you keep holding on to that i'm not necessarily worried about specific behaviors just that you're striving towards these behaviors but that they'll become uh more natural to you as as i develop your identity through our relationship that's something like, oh, I could do that. Like, then that, you know, especially in this world of perfectionism, like that allows me to step out of perfectionism and be like, okay, you don't necessarily want me perfect right now. You just want me to hold on to your commandments and covenants. I can do that. I'm not going to be perfect at it, and nor have you set that tone with me. And so that's a very encouraging, uh, much more encouraging message than you better do everything right. Or I guess you're saying you don't love me. Right, as he slams the door of heaven, upset. Well, well, and particularly for uh, those of us operating in a uh, life scenario that if we stop the behavior, sobriety, then we're well and everyone's happy with us and we can return home mm-hmm. and we're doing well. And if you don't stop it, then fill in the shame message here right you clearly aren't trying hard enough you really don't care you're broken you, you do clearly don't love god yeah you just never are going to this is evidence that you're just permanently broken and unfixable unlovable mm-hmm. right whatever that's a really big shift yeah. to know that it's like am i willing to just stay right right to keep and hold right and, and in, in fact he's he's the one that's keeping us right as we as we imagine that we're keeping his commandments, as we are striving to do, he's actually keeping us and, and sitting by us. Again, back to that, that, that visual of he's just sitting with us. As many times as it'll take, he's just sitting with us. So, Kurt, I'm going to put one back on you that you've asked a lot of other people. Oh, boy. If Jesus walked into the room right now mm-hmm. and asked you what you wanted healed, what's one or two things that you might say? For you personally, not your wife, not your kids. Yeah. No, just that like, because that, that craving for validation, it's not like, 
I don't know. I often wonder if I've even made any progress on it. And maybe I think addicts get in that place a lot where I'm just like, I don't think I've made any progress. And, and for me, that's that where I'm just, you know, I get, I get asked to stand on stages around the world. I, I have this remarkable audience and I'm just like, I don't know, am I supposed to just walk away from it all? Like, well, that doesn't feel right. Like there's mission in this, like there's a calling here. And so I just, you know, and just recently like talking with Steve, like, I just hate like the fact that I sit in church and I feel like I'm being passed over that, like that I'm not wanted. And I'm like, why do I feel like that? Like, of course I'm wanted, but I still, I still feed into those messages. Right. And yeah, I have those moments where, whether it's at boot camp or quietly in my office at night where I'm just sitting with the Savior, you know, by that fire where I do feel that love and acceptance. But man, I just, I can't stop craving it, you know, and I don't know, I, I don't know what healing looks like. Is this, this is just part of my... So what would you ask him? I, I, I had to ask him to, to heal that, like fill that hole that... I keep trying to feel with other stuff, with other validation. You know, it helped me learn how, how he can really step into my heart and heal that. But I don't know if I figured that out yet. I, I want to learn more about that. Is that a fair answer? I didn't dodge anything, right? Because <laughs> I do that sometimes. <laughs> I'm glad yes, you, you feel do. in the hot seat when oh, you're boy. with us. Yeah. So, um, Kurt, if you were to ask God that, how would you do it? Like, if we were to just, like, if we were to pray right now together, the three of mm-hmm. us, and go there. Um, I guess, I mean, the, and that's, that's, that's a really great point, because oftentimes I don't know how to do it, right? So it's almost just like talking, I would talk through with him, like, I don't, God, I don't know yeah, so let's just let's just actually pray and ask him. Let's yeah, see how, let's see how this goes. Sure, <laughs> see what it sounds like. Yeah. So, like, I, God, I, I am so often like just sitting in those pews, still looking to get that question answered. Of maybe I haven't proven myself enough, or or heard it enough, even though I'm surrounded so much by that, but. I don't know, um, I don't know how to fill my heart yet fully. And I appear to so many other people that I do know how to do that. But it's often just a secret. I just want you to fill that, that hole. And, and cast the shame away from the adversary that constantly comes back to remind me that I'm just still not good enough. And that I just need more of that to prove myself that I'm worthy. And I just want you to step in my heart and do that. I don't know. What would you add? Father, um, I just love I just love KF and um, I see his talent and his reach and his leadership and all those gifts that you've given him that we all here acknowledge are your gifts uh, that you've given him and um, how brilliant those 
are and wonderful and but God ah, so just see the the heart of my friend uh, my brother and um, I have just some of those same coals of feeling like a hypocrite feeling like I can't get it together can't accept you or, or do it right um, and Father I pray that that Kurt as your son will be able to at least see him the way I see him and more importantly see himself the way you see him as, as just accepted that's just enough. No downloads needed. No public appearances. But just as he is. Just his goodness, his heart. I, I pray, Father, that you would restore that knowing in him, in, in a visceral, in a big way, in just bold grace. I pray in Jesus' name. Got it. Um, I totally relate to feeling like there's a hole in my soul that craves to just know that no matter what anybody else says or thinks or feels, that I'm just good and good enough and worthy. And you know, and still struggling and wanting some of that validation myself. And so um I feel like this might be a common theme for a lot of us. And I know I've seen that quite a bit. And so I ask you to continue to work to heal that in me and, and just ask that you will speak to the full and fill uh, my brother Kurt's heart. Um, that Really, all of the accomplishments, all of the gifts and talents that he has, uh, like Steve said, they're all yours anyway. Um, and at the end, like, none of it's ours. And all the glory is yours. And what's left is for me to just be loved. When it's all stripped down, all that's left, God... Just let Kurt feel and know deep in the soul, and all of us know, we are loved, that we are worthy and good enough, just because you're, we're, our, you're, we're yours. And everything we have is already yours, and we are yours. And bless us with that validation to know that we are yours. Because that is truly all that matters. And that you love us 
and you want us back all the time. You want to be with us all the time. And say that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That sort of felt like brotherhood. That sure did. <laughs> it's awesome. Love it. Kurt, uh, before you take that phone call. I know. It's my people. They're calling me. <laughs> <laughs> Your public needs you. God, God's <laughs> chiming in. <laughs> this, this feeling, Kurt, this... When you sit around the campfire with God, this feeling of communion that you found, of real restoration and healing, um, if we were to end the episode with a song for you, that brings you to that. I would say Wounds by Jordan Felice. Love you, brother. Love you guys. Love you, man. Keep it's always going. great. Yeah. Always great to be with you. If you'd like to join Kurt in the bonus content and hear him talk about many other great things that we weren't able to cover in this episode, go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate and become an outsider. Outsiders are those who are bold, accepted, and unashamed uh, that we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So um, those donations help us pay for scholarships for such things like bootcamp and other resources um, that we have found to be effective in work. So if you're in need, uh, unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships, we would love to help you out. And uh, follow us on socials at unashamedunafraid. Give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the whole world finds us. And we hope you would join us in the bonus content uh, with my good friend KF and the many uh, things of wisdom he can share with us. And uh, if not, we invite you to continue to be unashamed. Walking, broken, innocent, stolen. Shadows hold you down till you can't breathe You look for reasons to pick up all the pieces But still you tell yourself the hurts too deep Would you believe me if I said you're not beyond repair? Would you believe me if I told you that I've been right there? I've seen the light coming through my darkest wounds. I can tell you, friend, that his love heals wounds. Look into my heart, let it be the proof. I'm only standing. Cause his love heals wounds Freedom, breakthrough Open arms around you Just like how it feels to come back home And this redemption Love without dimension Restoring all the hope you thought was gone Oh, I've seen the light coming To my darkest wounds I can tell you, friend That his love heals wounds Look into my heart Let it be the proof I'm only standing here Cause his love feels warm
Yeah, his love feels warm.